Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Venture Property Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I know that you've got a bit of an army gathering now of people listening away to this podcast um, on the way to work, um, in the the car, some people in the gym, even some of the agents that I deal with have been listening to this, which I found out yesterday. So you know who you are. As you know, if you've been listening, this month is the Young Entrepreneur month and we've had some fantastic content and some fantastic guests on the show. This podcast I am so excited to announce has Alex Harrington Griffin on and he's going to be here discussing why he's calling BS. Now I'm not going to give too much away but I think after you've listened to this whether you're male or female you're going to have fallen in love with Alex. He is one of the smoothest men I've ever met in my life. Um, I can't believe how smooth this guy is. He's giggling away, I can hear him, and it's so true. Um, So today, guys, we're sponsored, as always, by the Real Estate Slackers, which is a free group that John Corey and myself created because we're both geeks when it comes to technology and property, and we decided to put together a Slack group, which you can all get access to at realestateslackers.com. So, guys, let's get into the content. I'm really excited to cover this topic. We've got Alex on the show today. Hi, Ryan. Hi, how are you doing? Awesome. How are you? I am very well. I'm very, very excited to listen to what you've got to say. You are a fantastic young entrepreneur, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the show. You hosted a panel in which I was on, and I thought you did an absolutely incredible job. So it's great to be able to speak to you again. So why don't you start by giving the people who maybe don't know you a bit of a background and a brief insight into you, how you started in property and how you became this really smooth man that you are. (laughs) Uh, Yes, certainly. So my name is Alex Harrington Griffin and I'm currently the land director at Curdley on Property. Uh, This is my fifth business uh, over a seven year period of being an entrepreneur. um, Although I started much, much younger. Uh, I come from a family of, property developers, although it took a little while for me to get fully engaged in the idea of, uh, of property development and property as a whole. Um, always knew there was fantastic things to be gained from it, especially reading books like Arnold Schwarzenegger's and uh, hearing about the, the potential of property outside of just purely being a, a muscle-bound, uh, fantastic actor with an incredible accent. Um, I, I started my sort of entrepreneurial journey really young and I, I kind of I, we, I'm doing Daniel Priestley's KPI program at the moment which is really cool uh, and you and I were talking about this the other day Ryan mm. and it made you they asked you the question about when when did you know that you were you were different and when did you know that maybe you had a bit of an entrepreneurial um, twang about you and I got to relay a story which when I, I grew up in Florida and my dad had a teacher phone him up when I was about seven and a half uh, and said, we've got a bit of a problem with Alex we need to talk to you about. And he said, all right, okay, I'm listening. And the teacher said that we've, we've had several accounts, and including one, te- one parent who's very unhappy, that your son has been selling weapons at school. Um, and I, <laughs> my dad, dad said, obviously, you know, sat up in his chair and said, okay, what do you mean? He said, well, we've had uh, reports, one parent of um, your son selling and their son a $20 weapon which essentially was a couple of sticks tied together by gaffer tape and he said right so so my son's been selling sticks sellotape to other sticks at school as weapons and she said yes i know and he said well i can certainly see why this is serious um 
it's funny, you know, it's funny time you actually called me. We've had a call from one of the other teachers recently putting a similar sort of complaint in. And she said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, no. Um, they've actually been, he's actually been selling timeshares to some of the other teachers for a, uh, a holiday village in Cancun in Mexico. And she said, you're joking. He said, no, no, I am, I am joking. And I hope you don't think I'm not taking this seriously, but I think almost we've got to give Alex a little bit of uh, credit for managing to sell sticks to other kids for $20. But you're right, I will have a word with him. And he loves telling that story because it's one of the rare moments my dad actually off the cuff was very, very funny. Um, and probably wasn't giving me a bollocking for something. But it kind of, when I hear that story back now and you kind of get a bit more wiser to your, you know, when you started doing things, I think that's when... Um, I realized I like this idea of, of being able to sort of create value from, from nothing uh, and look at opportunities to, to create something that people, people want. And people wanted Ninja Turtle weapons made from sticks and gaffer tape. And that was the market at the time. So that's kind of how I started off. Um, on a more serious note, I've, my sort of serious businesses were the start of retail in, in very much in technology, um, online platforms. I was interviewed by Groupon for a job in between uh, two consultancy roles I was doing. And I didn't quite like the culture. There was something about it that didn't quite add up. But their model gave me a few ideas about working for small businesses and kind of this B2B group buying platform. So I set up a, um, a group buying platform called businesscrayon.com, which I sold about nine months later to a one of our biggest competitors, uh, who then took it forward and was swallowed up by another giant who came into the, the industry. I say giant, you know, giant for our kind of size scale of business. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just snowballed from there. I realized that I actually like doing my own thing. And whilst I respect some people want to get to the right point of working for other people, that I had to find ways to, to create my own things and go out and solve problems that I believed were, were problems um, and go from there. Wow. That's, um, do you know what, that, listening back to that, that sounds very similar to, to myself. Um, which is one of the reasons why I like you, and I know we've got a lot of common interests, especially the the sort of Arnold. You mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger. I read that book as well. Absolutely love Arnie, not just because of the accent, but the the films and the fitness, and then it, it falls into property and yeah. the fact that you you have online businesses and, and been involved in that. Wow, I'm I'm really impressed. It's 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 very it's very heartwarming as well. The way that you are. Um, you've got cracking morals and I think that leads us into the next sort of major chapter for you, doesn't it? The, um, with the, with the trusted land thing. With the BS. Yes. With the yeah. BS. Do you know, it's amazing. I was, I was talking to my mentor just before this call. It's, um, and we we're, we're realizing how many different situations and scenarios that we feel that BS can be called on. Mm. Um, and, I've recently joined uh, Matt Sedell's Quorum Property Group. And in the first session, we were all introducing ourselves and saying what we kind of do. And being a, a marketing person at heart and by, by sort of immediate profession, I, I sort of tried to sort of um, change up how I introduced myself. And I said, you know, I'm here to call BS on the process of buying and selling land. And obviously everyone's eyebrows went up and they started sort of wondering what, you know, what the hell I'm going to talk about next. And it really is just the fact that we sit in some of these rooms and networking events and you start connecting people like, you know, even at the, uh, the panel um, event that you and I were both involved in, which I really, really enjoyed. You know, there were some things you kind of hear over and over again. You think, Do you know what, someone's got to call BS on this. And trusted land is kind of a, our 
our approach, our sort of calling BS on the process of buying and selling land, purely because I think there's so much murkiness, as my, my mentor said, that goes on in the industry still today. For, for an industry that's worth so much and the, the transactional value of one transaction is so significant that I can't believe that some of the practices that go on still go on now. And it's almost kind of still okay. It's not okay, but there's, you know, people have sort of gone, well, that's the way it is. So trusted land is, is our approach to call BS on the approach to buying and selling land. We just think people deserve a better experience from it. There's a lot of good people out there and genuine buyers and, and sellers as well, um, but more sort of the buyers and professional sides. And I think that they're finding it harder to trade at the moment, as they probably always, always have done, because there is a lot of people who are using backhanded tactics and, and less than sort of ethical approaches to get land deals and to get the deals. And then simply move on to the next one without thinking at all about what does that mean for reputation? What does that mean for the reputation of developers, of buyers? What is it, what's that person's impression of me when they, they realize they're going to be being slightly screwed over? Um, and how is it going to leave them feeling as, a, as an individual? A lot of these people are, you know, landers we deal with are the head of the family or the head of the business. And they're making a decision not just for themselves, but for the stakeholders and the families around them. And that's where I think someone's got to call BS because I think that's not quite right. If there was, yeah, if this industry was purely corporate to corporate and yeah, there was a bit of backstabbing that went on and, and you sort of think, that, right, do you know what? That's just two companies trying to get ahead and, and satisfy their shareholders. I wouldn't be as bothered. But yeah. what, we've kind of, what we're kind of trying to focus on is that the people behind it, A, from an SME perspective of the, the directors and the people behind the companies who started these companies on quite genuine you know, beliefs and missions. Uh, but also the, you know, the landowners, a lot of which are business people themselves. Uh, and I say land in terms of anything that has development potential, whether it's a property, a brownfield site, a scrapyard, uh, a sports club, or, or a genuine piece of land. And a lot of these individuals and committees are just genuine people who want to, who want to sort of move on to the next phase of their life, whether it's expansion, whether it's moving down, whether it's retiring, mm-hmm. whether it's realizing the value to invest in their kids' futures. Those are the people that we keep on meeting that I think deserve a better experience, which is why we've been inspired to call BS on the current process. I think it's very honourable what you're doing. And um, I know that me and you, have we've spoken at length really about the, the reputation because we're both young and we both want to be in this game for a long time. And I think a lot of people who have been unscrupulous, they don't seem to, to think that this is a long-term game. You know, what's going to happen after that deal? You've, you've done that one deal, great, you've made a lot of money, but what happens when you come to want to do the next deal or the next deal or the next deal? And what's your, what's your sort of take on that? Short-sighted. Yeah. Massively, massively short-sighted. It still, it still is bizarre. I met someone the other day who told me about two transactions they're currently involved in and were quite open in, in telling me that their strategy was to lie to the landowner and, and mislead <laughs> them as to what they're going to do with it. And that for me is almost a bit, you know, I sort of was a bit shocked in the fact that they were so open with me. And, you know, it's almost bizarre that that is, I don't think there's many other industries or maybe, you know, the industries I've been involved in, I don't think there's many that someone would openly say, I don't know, we're going to try and screw this person and that's how we'll make our money. And you think, I just don't understand how you can wake up in the morning and go, right, my mission today is to screw that person over by misleading them as to what I'm going to do so that I manage to make this a very, very profitable deal and make much more money than really I need to make on this. Uh, and that is the fact that I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm fully into commercial. I've, I'm very driven in terms of being success, but I'm driven on slightly different 
motivators as well. And I want to create businesses that make money, but also have bigger impact. And I think when I hear people just, you know, doing whatever they can do to get the deal, which involves lying, misleading people and, and someone ultimately losing. I think at some point your, your, your luck is going to run out and you may get away with one, two, three deals. But in this age, especially of, of you know, very accessible information, we had a case recently in Buckinghamshire where this committee of a, a leisure club told us about their experience. They told us about the, the attitude and the approach of the developer who was trying to buy their land. And when they told me the stories, I kind of thought, right, this is exactly the kind of person we're trying to call out with trusted land when we, when we sat down and came up with the concept. But when you went online and you typed in this developer's name, the local news stories that came up, I mean, it wouldn't, you wouldn't have to sort of uh, be a private detective to work out maybe there's something not quite straightforward about this guy. And I think that is where people who sort of take this candid approach and sort of try and do whatever they can do to get a deal done, I think their time is getting, is getting close. But I also think that they will only be able to do deals with so many people who also think, you know what, I want to try and do things a bit better. And the fact that this person has openly an event told me their approach means that unfortunately, you know, there's no way that I would do deal with these deals with these people. And as become people become more and more trusting in, in referrals from people, those people I think will become slightly weeded out because there's more and more groups starting up. Networking is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. There's more education mastermind groups. And I think as people start to put, you know, almost kind of call these guys out, not just ourselves, I think it will make it difficult for them to trade. It won't happen overnight. Mm. This is, I'm talking, you know, 10, 15 years, unless trusted land can accelerate that process. But I just think, you know, their, their time is getting, um, the time of being short-sighted and going from one deal to the next is, is getting, it's, it's getting harder for them. And I think with the rise of technology and the internet, it's going to even it's going to weed them out even quicker because people are now going to start seeing that, and more and more people will actually speak up. So, how is Trusted Land going to do this? What's the game plan? What's the action plan for it? Champion the good ones. That is what we're going to do. We'll find every every means possible to champion the people who are doing things properly. Uh, a lot of that's through content. We want to make sure that both parties have plenty of information available to, to be able to talk the other party through the process. And I think with landowners, it comes down to being confident. You know, you, you imagine, Ryan, that you have owned a business for 25 years and you decided you want to retire and you know this is probably the biggest investment you have besides your own home probably that you're going to be able to extract some value from. Um, and you're going to retire on this money. You're going to go around and travel and see the places you want to see with your partner or your family with this money. You're also going to leave some sort of inheritance, most likely, as most people want to do, for the, with this money. And they're probably going to invest maybe in their, their grandchildren's futures as well, uh, which is the motivation of a lot of people we speak to who are you know, at the sort of retirement end of, of a landowner um, situation with this money. And I think people just feel that they are underinformed, And it comes down to being skeptical because they don't have the right questions to ask so we are making sure that people are armed with the right information and the right questions not so that they become experts but just so that if you and i were going to buy a hundred grand car potentially that we'd be have a list of questions that we know we need to ask to make sure that this investment goes well and we we buy the right thing for us in the same way that you know for landowners they've got to know what situation they're, they're getting themselves into in terms of what happens next and also to think about you know what what once this is all wrapped up and all the hard bits done, you know, what can I then go on to enjoy? 
And I think it's trying to make sure that people understand that, you know, it's not just this process of solicitors barking back and forth at each other. And actually, you know, there is a, a fantastic result at the end of it. But to keep that in mind and just be prepared for you know, the, the journey that hopefully won't be too long. Um, and just make it more enjoyable. There's so many people who <laughs> I've, I've, had, I've had landowners, you know, in tears at the table to, to me talking about their previous experience. And it shouldn't be like that. You know, it should yeah. be that they've worked 20, 25 years. They've invested, they've, they've, they've created their business or they've, they've held onto a piece of land for this long and they now want to release the value. And it should be exciting to get to that next stage. But I'd say eight times out of 10, they are fairly beaten down and dismayed and disappointed by the whole process so far. And they just want to get through it to get out of the pain, basically. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. I've spent many times sat in people's kitchens listening to that story. Um, as well and it's it is quite heartbreaking that when you especially developers that you you know and that it, it was difficult for me because when I first came into property you'd see these people and you think oh my god they're amazing and then you start to do your marketing try and conduct your business differently to to them and you actually start to find out how they're acting and it you know it's, it's quite upsetting that, that that is the way they're going but one thing I definitely want to ask you is I know that some people listening will be going into, they might even be on the way now to speak to a vendor about this, mm-hmm. this transaction. So arming the, the vendor with the right questions, could you give any of the people going in some tips on what they can say, maybe how to answer the question before it gets to the question from the vendor so that that vendor feels fully happy with with the person potentially buying it not just to put you on the spot there no that's fine I, this luckily was sort of came into our uh, one of our presentations last week and it and it is also quite topical for me because we're spending a lot of time on the kpi program with daniel talking about you know the why why are you involved in business what are your motivators and and help bring you out as an individual most often are not the people you're going to be maybe listening to this podcast like myself are going out there to represent our companies because we've started them or we're kind of in charge of, of you know, what happens next. So I think getting your story across and making sure people understand why you're involved in this business and what motivates you and almost kind of have a chance to talk about some of your previous either business experiences or transactions, whether it's in property or not, will help kind of give them a bit of a feel for who you are as a person and where, you're, where you sit on your, on your moral compass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important, but also focusing as much on the conversation with them. So have both parties kind of put a little bit of their, their story forward. And in the boardroom breakfast events, we run each month with 15 odd developers, which is kind of an open, an open table breakfast. You hear a lot of people who have got to the point where they're able to do deals with people because they've spent time talking to them and something will come up, which is a almost a hidden pain point, which we wouldn't often think about. And there's certainly no guide for that, you know, to, find out what a landowner may want and what's going to work for them but it comes often just through conversation and what motivated them to buy this property in the first place what was their what was their vision when they invested in this piece of land or when they bought this house or when they bought this buy to let or when they decided to move from one area to another a lot of time it's not just i wanted a roof over my head or we want to be in this area there's often something bigger at the back of people's minds and a lot of time it is the legacy it's what what happens after this you know people although they maybe think you know three five ten years when they're moving to a property or buying a piece of land or building a business or, or investing in it or buying off the, the freehold of their premises, 
there's something bigger in their mind. And I think often when we've got onto that subject, you find a lot more about, about, about people that help you pull out some key considerations when you're going to put a proposition back to them later on. Um, and often I, I don't come up with these things on the spot. I have to make notes or write them down in the book. Um, and I go away and think about it afterwards and try and draw some of the trends or the, the things that I picked up in that meeting. Hmm. That's, that's incredible. I'm sure that's going to help quite a lot of people. It's interesting that you say that that's very similar to, to sort of what I do when I'm in with a, in with a vendor, it's, um, it's connecting with them on a personal level. Um, and what the way I think of it is anyway, a lot of the times you're looking at a building that maybe somebody's bought as a business premises, but like you say, they've always had that vision for it. They've always had that known that it's got that potential, but maybe haven't got round to doing that because you, they're not a property developer. Um, we're looking at one at the moment, which the, the guy bought it with his business partner. They have two separate businesses and they bought it for office space, but it sits on mm -hmm. a cracking plot. And their vision was to, to knock it down, rebuild it with some cool serviced office space and then some, um, some flats and then maybe a couple mm -hmm. of penthouses. And then that is being passed on to their, to their grandchildren. But they've got no experience on, on how to do that. And they've, but mm -hmm. they've always wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. So my proposition to them was, was very simple. It was, why don't we just all do it together? Um, instead of me just buying it off you and then you going off and retire, why don't you come in and yeah. we'll, we'll do it together? Um, and nobody had offered them that. They'd all come in and just try to chip them um, and buy it for as cheap as possible. And But then that turns out that we are so far along with that deal now that it looks like that's going to be a goer. And because of the awesome. way I've acted, it, we've got that we've got that deal, um, which is just incredible. It's great to see that somebody with all of your experience does does that the same way which is incredible because i know that you have got a lot of experience in property land buying some of the things that that you've been involved in are incredible aren't they do you want to just touch on a couple of those yeah i, I would say you've been quite generous ryan uh, and you are a uh a charming man. Um, I have I've had a good immersive experience over the last few years. I certainly haven't had the 20, 30 years that some people I work with and, and certainly my mentor I was with beforehand have had in this industry. So, But everything that I've started has always been a result of jumping into something and throwing myself into it and trying to really, you know, <laughs> sounds cheesy, but almost like an actor, like become the role and understand, put myself in the mindset of the people I'm working around. And that's when I've started to solve problems and that's the business I've started have come from, from immersing myself in something and then realizing maybe with slightly less experienced eyes where there's opportunities to do things a little bit better. And that's what we've done with, with Trusted Land. But I think it's, it's through really getting a chance to see both sides of the story and really thinking about the customer experience. I think I'm lucky because I, I was a marketing graduate. I've always been very customer-centric and I've always thought about well what does the get a customer get from this even the developments we've done i've always thought about when i live there what is it going to be like for me to be in that space and enjoy it at night as if i do would do my own apartment or my own house and you know we've always invested in things like extra thick sound um, soundproofing extra thick plasterboard um extra thick doors to give that sense of quality and security because i think about what it would be like if i sold that apartment to my mother 
<laughs> what would she enjoy? Or if I sold to one of my friends and they're walking me around in two years going, well, do you know what? I love this. I love the fact that it's got this as well. I wouldn't want someone pulling me around going, well, do you know what? I can hear my neighbors. I know exactly what my housemate's doing at 11 o'clock at night. I know, I know what's <laughs> going on downstairs. And I, you know, I don't know why you put this feature in. Yes, it looked great from the start, but it's completely impractical. I think putting that sort of thought into the, the user experience has, has got me where we are today. And I'm lucky in the fact that having my family's experience who have been involved in everything from buying football clubs to, from, to marinas, to restaurants, to graveyards, uh, nightclubs, everything you can imagine, they've kind of downloaded their experiences from those to me. And I've been able to kind of put together almost a bit of a, a data pack of gone, right, that is how these transactions have worked. And these are some of the key things that come across. And most of it, including, you know, looking down the last hundred transactions that I've been involved in or had the chance to put ourselves forward for, there's some really obvious trends. And a lot of that is just considering the people behind the deal. And I think sometimes people almost look at property too transactionally and too clinically. Good to do the deal, good to do the deal, good to be the right development without actually thinking about the people involved in it. Whether that is literally your architect who's going to be joining on this kind of six month, 12 month journey, or it is the actual landowner or the people you're going to be selling it to. I think the more you can take stock and almost kind of do a once a week reality check and go, right, what does this deal mean for these kind of people and where are they getting their wins from? I think that's where I've applied what I've done in other businesses to land. And this is where we've gained real traction and, and not to, to brag, but people have said to us that they feel that we have explained the process better to them and they feel more of a connection and more trust with us because we've helped them kind of understand what is going to be happening now in the next six months and the next 12 months and try and almost touch on that vision that you kind of said exactly with the, the two vendors and the office building um, and the rest the mixed use scheme, sorry. It's, it's drawing the conclusion, which is imagine what you're going to be left with to get to that end result. And isn't that exciting? And it is the fun part. That's the fun part of business. Why most of us get involved. We think about what's, you know, could be around the corner. Yes, you've got to try and find a way to enjoy the process, but where I apply that to land is making sure that I understand or at least consider how's everyone going to best enjoy this process and everyone's going to get out of it. And, you know, even in a theoretical sense, give everyone a high five saying, awesome, we've come out the other side. What's next? Mm, I love that. That's, I'm very, very similar. This is one of the reasons why I actually really like you because you do things the right way. And as a marketer myself, it is, the key to business is solving problems and looking into other people's eyes. And when I, when I drive down Lincoln High Street and I see the Georgian Dragon development that we did, and I think we took a really horrible pub and made it so mm. nice, but not just, it wasn't just me that did that, it was a full team. So now I know that when the builders drive past and they tell their children that they were involved in that, they're proud of that. And yeah. that's, that's something that means a hell of a lot to me. Um, and I think it has bigger ramifications than just doing that one deal. I think you're going to do more deals of that ilk because of the way you are. I always say that I don't do property for the money. I do it for the, sh the genuine sheer love of working with people. I get to work with my business partner, Kim Stones, every single day. And literally, mm -hmm. we, we have such a laugh. People come up from down south to see us. They come to Lincoln and they, they come mm -hmm. into our office and it is just a, it's not, it's not posh. It, we just sit in here, we take the mick out of each other all day and people want to be involved in that. And it's exactly the same with every single person we work with, right down to, to the architect, the planning consultant, everything we do is a laugh. Mm -hmm. And 
you have that that same ethos and everything about you which I really really like and I know that you've done some other things as well which I would like to touch on now so how about we start with the events business in South Africa so Cape marketing started almost by mistake uh, and I say that because we knew we wanted to do something yeah but we didn't know what exactly it was going to be um, well, I lived in South Africa for, for two years and I, I started a retail platform there when I first moved there for, for young people's clothing and accessories. We managed to sell that in a year to a, a larger retailer who wanted to kind of own the space and we had some fantastic search results and search rankings. Um, and I then decided I wanted to start helping some of these small businesses who, who knew about all these kind of Western concepts of marketing you know, and get involved in things like partnerships and content and social media but didn't know how to operate them. So we started working with smaller brands there as an agency, but in South Africa, they still are much, still have much more of an affinity towards sitting down with people and really looking them in the eyes and discussing business before you get to that relationship point, which I think still happens in the UK and, and in the West, so to speak. But I think they were, I realized it was even more prominent there. So we just started a, uh, a forum group basically where we invited local businesses to come down and really kind of pick our brains. And we, we also, I also believe in fair competition. So we invited other marketers and other marketing agencies down to the event as well. So people got different perspectives. And eventually, if we were the most suitable for them, yes, we'd pick up business from it. But what we started realizing after a while was there were so many people who, once they got to know each other and sat around the table a few times, were actually very, very honest about what they didn't know and their kind of fears and challenges and also the opportunities. And we started then bringing people in, the experts who were in these kind of fields of whether it's social media or analytics or web development or sales training. Um, and we bring individuals in to start training these people. And that one that went down really, really well. And the kind of open forum nature of it where people were able to talk quite openly started becoming very trendy and, and people were coming to us saying, well, can I start my own group in this area? So we end up launching about four or five new groups in about three or four months and currently have six still running. So that still runs with six different uh, hosts in different areas of Cape Town. And then every once in a while, they'll get together with the various people who want to understand more about a particular subject, mostly focused around growth. Um, and then we'll do a training session. But where it was, where it was successful is that myself and the other marketers we invited down there, the ones who kind of stuck around and got the most results for it were the ones who were the most open. And I realized that it's a way that I really enjoy doing business is almost kind of putting my cards on the table and saying, this is what we're about. This is how we operate. This is what we believe in. And I found people, the relationships accelerated so much quicker and the rapport that you got, even if it wasn't to work with someone immediately, they'd be out there almost working with you as a referrer saying, this person's a good guy. And I'm not saying that, you know, everyone's going to say, oh, Alex is a great guy. But I think whatever I believed in, I just put on the table and, and said it for what it was. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a polite, well, you know, well-spoken guy. And I, I sometimes, you know, will obviously, I'll follow a strategy in terms of the information you give out. So make sure it's done in a strategic manner. But I've always tried to be as open as possible to people. I just do not like the idea of people misleading people to get a result in any kind of business. And I think that started to become the ethos of this events group. And people then enjoyed the fact, the opportunity to put themselves out there and go, well, this is me, foibles and all. These are the things I don't get. These are things I do get. These are things I'm afraid of. These are things I can't wait for. And, and that's why I think it did well. And, and I think that's why it's still operating now. We've got about 1,500 uh, members uh, or attendees of the group who meet every two weeks. 
And uh, yeah, it's a nice bit of, you know, I think maybe I'm a bit young still to be thinking about legacy, but I'm really intrigued about this idea of legacy. And I think no matter what happens, I love the idea that in South Africa, people are meeting every two weeks in a free group session to discuss their, their challenges and problems and, and help each other move through it. So I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think very much so. I've got, I'm literally just picking out notes now that I'm writing about you. I do this every time I do a podcast, I have some paper out and I just literally am jotting down everything people are saying and picking up on things and, and trying to put together trends on sort of on people as harsh as that sounds no, um, I'm feeling a book coming run well I don't know if I could write a book my grammar's not the best so it might well, if we can if you and I can borrow a, uh, a transcriber we can probably just uh, talk into the mic for a few hours and hopefully find someone who uh, thinks that we're interesting enough to, to write about but you probably got a lot more insight than, uh, than <laughs> I have from lots of different people don't want to know if I I'm not going to go toe-to-toe with you though uh, <laughs> I mean collaboration though I always think curation and collaboration that's my that's my approach exactly well I've got so far I've got that you are very smooth that you're an expert marketer and that you focus on the customer and also that you're very open exactly I'm exactly the same I'm very open and I believe that by being open you've got nothing to hide and it gives you staying power as well so mm. like you said that a lot of referrals will come back I say, I say this to people all the time when they ask me about how to get started in property or whatever. You never, ever know what you're doing now is, is going to lead to in two, three years down the line. You know, I've got people who I spoke to two years ago, three years ago, now coming to me and presenting me with a potential deal because mm-hmm. of how open I've been and that I've, I've stayed the course um, mm-hmm. and that they've, they've seen me grow. Um, through the business and and do what I say I'm going to do and also that I really what I really like about you is that it's you explain the timeline so I'm all about the data with everything that I do and Mm. the timeline of the customer and I like to do that as well not just because they know what they're going to expect from you it also tells me what I need to be doing at a certain point and then it also reaffirms that to them so in a month's time I'm going to be doing this and this is when I'm going to be getting in touch with you and this is going to happen so it just gives you mini wins along along the whole process and uh, agreed and I, I really like the fact that that you do that I think if me and you did team up the world would be um, a better place but they would need to watch out because we'd probably take over <laughs> well, there's a few different presidencies available at the moment we can either pick between Zimbabwe Germany or uh, maybe the US at some point so yeah well I we'll would try quite, and find a way yeah I'd always quite like to see myself as a leader I'd quite like the US though that'd do for me <laughs> I'll I grew up in Florida Zimbabwe. yeah well I grew up in Florida and uh, it was a very different experience to uh, to what we hear from our friends now but I'm sure, uh, I'm sure things will come right for all of our benefit. How was the experience of growing up with this, this family that has such vast experience in, in property and other things? How, how did that nurture you? Because um, I'm, very, I'm very keen on that because I speak to quite a lot of people and their parents obviously have a massive impact on, on their beliefs and also when they... Because I'm very similar to you. I knew I was never going to be able to, to do proper job, as it's mm-hmm. now called, and very entrepreneurial from a young age. 
but my family always encouraged that so it's interesting to get the the thoughts of, of other people like yourself I it there certainly comes with its pressures uh, and shadows and I think that was something that in my early stage of being an entrepreneur was fed quite a bit of my my own internal voice um, of mm. you know almost kind of not judging, but asking the questions, you know, is this, is this the right thing? Are you going to get this right? You know, what happens if that doesn't work out? And not that I have a judgmental family in any way. They're very, they're hugely supportive. Um, but they certainly have set some, some big boots. And, and, but what I've realized and I've got confident with is kind of doing things my way. And I think that's a lot more sustainable. I certainly admire the way that my father uh, and his two brothers, who are both very successful in their own right, uh, all in different areas of property, have done their business and they've created it and they have been you know, visionaries and they've kind of stuck to their guns. And, but I've realized I also have my unique way of doing things, which in the early days I was kind of questioning, you know, should I just do it the way they've done it? Because that's how people I look up to have done business. Uh, and after a while I've realized that I can, I can be confident that my way is going to get traction. And it's not that it's the only way, it's just a way that feels very natural and that I can do without having to think about or having to come up with too much of a, a game plan and like the conversation we're having now, you know, this is all things that are very easy to talk about because mm. it is. Whereas if you'd done this interview with me six, seven years ago, when I first started out, I felt that maybe you had to do business a certain way or you had to speak a certain way, or you had to kind of talk about your numbers or your figures of success or, you know, don't, <laughs> don't swear or anything else. Mm. And I, the people I've admired most, you know, in my family and, and outside are the people I think who are just kind of at ease with the way they do business. You know, people like, Matthew Sedell is as an example. I think he's very open and transparent in the way that he conducts himself. And I think that's why people warm to him. Um, but in terms of my family, great insight, you know, great insight to seeing how the bigger boys, so to speak, can, can, can operate and how they've done things and, and getting a little bit of an accelerated learning um, from people who, who want to you know, have your best interests at heart in how to, how to get through various challenges and a lot of it is comes down to you know the way you negotiate the way you the way you present a deal um how things you have to think about but what emerged quite quickly was i can take the best bits of of each of these family members and create my own style that feels works for me and i think that was something in the beginning i didn't have the confidence to do i felt yeah. i had to produce a certain way and i think you'll probably you're probably even more just relaxed and out there than, than, than I am, or certainly when I first started out, but it's something that I've become more confident in, especially coming into property, which is quite traditional. And this is one reason I'm, I'm looking to disrupt it. Uh, I thought you had to do things a certain way. And I've realized, no, there's plenty of individuals out there like yourself, mm. like Matthew Stell, like Martin Skinner, who are out there doing things the way that they believe business can be done. And they're, they're becoming more successful from it. And the guys that I think are struggling are the ones that are coming to, are finding it hard to come to terms with they're having to put on a bit of an act to get the deals done or to, to get the end result. And I think that uncomfortableness is coming across to people they're working with. And that's why they're not progressing as, as quickly as maybe they could. Can't it? That can only go on for so long before the act has to drop. I think if you are the person that you, you are to your core all the time, then it's mm. not an act, is it? I mean, you are talking to somebody who rocked up at an event in shorts. So, 
you know, I, I think you've been doing leg day though, so I think that was part of the reason personally. But yeah. that's, uh, I won't bring that up now. Did did have a bit of a bit of a pump on the old legs, so uh, <laughs> it, was, it was the reason why the shorts were there. They got a bit more colour on the legs, didn't they? <laughs> Very. Well, Lincoln, Lincoln isn't known for its sunshine. It is known for its uh, great uh, city living and, and sort of um, nightlife, but not necessarily yeah. its, its sunshine. Yeah, and a uh, very, very fun property person who just does things the way he wants. Um, Going good I, on you. I think that's, you know, I think that's the way, and I think that's positively encouraged in today's day and age. You know, you've got people who have are causing more stir by one post on Instagram that's because they've got that following because they are who they are now. Um, yeah. And they are, and that is, you know, businessmen are now the rock stars, uh, everybody wants to be a businessman and your own individuality is it goes back to that staying power and it's doing things differently being open this is the person you are somebody asked me recently on another panel I was on actually about social media and how do I keep it personal and private and I said I don't it, it's just all out there because this is me I yeah. put a picture yeah. of my cat up because I'm interested in my cat I put a picture of Liverpool up I'm interested in Liverpool if people don't want to work with me because of these things then that's their loss mm. and it sort of self sort of qualifies the people who I actually want to work with um, I think it's a great approach it, well there's no other way to be is there I'm not going to change who I am to work with somebody because then at my very core that's wrong um, and I've walked away from deals and people say you're mad there's so much money in that deal but I've walked away from it because I don't want to deal with the people in that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will continue to do that. Um, there is one last thing I do want to touch on with you. We both have this keen interest in fitness as we've spoken about my legs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Which I think you've taken a bit of a shine to. Um, <laughs> so, I was just trying to find a way to, uh, to segue it into the conversation. Um, everybody I was, does. For, I was waiting for my cue. Those legs have caused such a stir. Uh, <laughs> people come up to me and go, you're the guy who wore shorts, aren't you, at Brendan's event? Yes, I am. <laughs> if it helps you stand out and get remembered beyond your, uh, your transparent view of business, well, then, then great. Alex, when you are six foot two with red hair, you stand out pretty much everywhere you go, buddy. It's just one of those things that you've just got to get used to, I'm afraid. Um, but it, is, uh, it does help build character, especially for now. But yes, you have started something really cool. And it's a project, I believe, that you've started with your wife. Yes. So, so I got married in, uh, in October. And um, if, uh, if that was what you were queuing up the question about, I... Yes. I was, I was sat on the plane and I realized I'm going to have a hell of a lot of free time. Well, I say free time, more time on my hands now that the wedding will be shortly concluded. And it was one of the best experiences of my life and well worth the planning. Uh, so incredible. And I'm still on a bit of a high from it. Um, but I was sat on the plane and I wrote down very geekily five interests that I, was, uh, I wanted to, to look into further and kind of create myself a, a bit of a new hobby to make sure there's a good balance between my work my wife and my uh, other interests. And I'm always better when I've got a goal, especially on the fitness side. And I don't know mm-hmm. about you in terms of things yeah. you put yourself forward for, but I, I did triathlon last year. Um, the year before that, I did a uh, 24 peaks in 24 hours with Land Aid. The year before that, I did a white collar boxing tournament. And I have to have something to work towards to kind of keep me fully motivated and really put extra bit of effort in. And I wrote down these five things and I realized, my, I think my, um, 
my wife looked at me and said, why have, why have you written down recycling next to diet? And I was like, well, <laughs> hear me out. I thoroughly believe, so I've worked with Land Aid as an ambassador for the last two years, which works with youth organizations to basically try and prevent uh, and counteract youth homelessness. So I've learned a lot about my experiences with them and volunteering for different organizations and, and seeing young people. And I, I've sort of done a bit of volunteering uh, on entrepreneurial training with young people in East London. And a lot of that part was, was down to kind of confidence in their environment and the, the, the individuals they have in their life kind of supporting them. And I took a little bit of that and I took a little bit about my belief in community and Coeur de Leon, my existing development company, uh, has always tried to do a little bit of investment into local communities to, to make sure it's nice places to, to be in. And, and the people who live there and we bring into the area also get that same enjoyment of being in a space. So mm-hmm. I added that kind of ingredient in. Um, over the last few years, I've become very conscious of recycling and I am quite dismayed at, at sort of the, I suppose, the plastic pollution that exists uh, and things like single-use plastic, which is quite painful. Um, and I'm a bit geeky about it and I, it's just something that I've realized is, it sort of hits home with me in terms of we need to do something a little bit better. Um, and I love my fitness and I, I like the idea of you know, eating cleanly and, and trying to have a, a positive uh, lifestyle, as you and I both know, we still enjoy our nights out, and that doesn't always sort of match in with the uh, the clean living. But I think there's ways to you know, sort of treat yourself every now and then. Um, but I I could have created this concept, which is called clean fitness, and the idea is that we would invite um, two young people in the first instance to join myself and my wife over a six month training program, where we would give a bit of dietary advice, uh, a training program. We train together once a week. And then we would go towards April, May, and June and take part in three circuit, tough, mudder type events uh, together as a team, try and get the best result possible. With the end result in June, going and trying and attempting a world record, Guinness World Record attempt in some form or another that tied together kind of fitness, cleaner environment, community. And the idea is that we want to build the individuals up to kind of become leaders and take on their own group of clean fitness troops uh the year afterwards and then we kind of pay it forward and, and keep building up that way but they're only we sponsor the whole thing as as currently on property we obviously give up our, our time to make sure these youngsters have a, a good environment to train in and, and a bit of support um and we all get to have fun doing this these challenges together the only thing that we ask them to give back to us is once a month they join us in a what we call a recycle run we run around literally local areas that we think need a bit of a cleanup and we literally just pack bin bags full of uh, of debris and rubbish and end up recycling it and that's one of the things you were saying about putting yourself out there and putting photos of your cats in Liverpool yeah. I've got photos of me on a Sunday you know one minute I'm, I'm negotiating <laughs> I negotiate two three million pound sites the next day I'm in my I've got garden gloves on and bin bags picking up rubbish off the street and that is the things that I enjoy and I believe in it and I really do get a buzz from it knowing that I've even just for an hour or two on my weekend done something that hopefully people are going to think, do you know what? That's quite cool. And, and I wouldn't mind doing something like that myself. And even if it's not with us, just doing something of their own, which they think this is not just purely about me. Yes, there's personal motivators in there, which is, you know, helps. But I also like the idea of people going, ah, oh, I'm going to do my own version of it. And no matter what that is, if it's their own interest, I think that'd be an awesome little thing, even to inspire two people who maybe are two young people we take on to go and do their own thing. And to think about the bigger environment around them, I think it'd be very, very cool. So as soon as I have the Guinness World Record uh, attempt sorted, I'll certainly let you know and see if you can 
think any ways to jazz it up or to make it as competitive as possible. But yeah, well, I want one now. Now I'm like, I want a Guinness World Record. I just think, yeah, for the, especially for, <laughs> I've always wanted to attempt something, and I think yeah. also for the, for the young people taking on, I think it'd be a cool thing to work towards and and try out. And it's going to link together some sort of fitness, some sort of tough mother type environment and something to do with recycling the environment um, and tie the, the whole thing together and hopefully we'll start bringing on sponsors and I always think you know okay, I'll just do this for myself I just on a small scale but then we went to the Maldives on a holo- on our honeymoon uh, Mali the main island which is you know the kind of the, the husbuzz of, of the entire 1,190 islands is so polluted in plastic it's unbelievable and I thought well okay let's do it for a year and then let's start trying to make it you know set up a little splinter groups all around the world of two people then take on two young people and train them up and help them build into a bit of a, a leadership program then they pay it forward again and i just i love that sort of thing i love the idea of you know kind of little groups getting inspired and going and doing their own thing if, if it's what you know things that we believe in or things they believe in um as you said hopefully people sort of uh, start thinking a bit more about doing better better business and doing things to create a bit of a, a better world even though it sounds quite a large uh, a large task to take on Yes, but you only need to affect one person, don't you? Yeah. you know, if what you're doing affects one person, then they're going to do something that's going to affect one person, that's going to affect one person, that's going to, and that it's just going to spiral, and, and eventually the world will be a better place because of it. And I'm very... The butterfly effect. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's done, and you know, if you're passionate about it, it just aids your, it aids your life. I think it makes you more successful because you are actually happier in yourself and you take that positive energy into your business. And I now have one last thing to end on, which you haven't got a clue that I was going to ask you. So Go don't, for it. don't panic. No, um, no, I'm right. Let's, yeah, let's I know. Do, you, I, do you know what? I can't believe that you did some, some boxing. You are way too pretty to be punched in the face. <laughs> um, That's the trick. Don't pretty. get punched in the face. Yeah, way too pretty you are. Uh, so... I'm going to ask you a question right now. When you think cool. of the word successful, who's the first person who comes to mind and why? Branson, because he's um, a very inspirational character for, for many of us uh, and because I've read nearly all of his books and I just think he is the epitome of what I think people who are, want to do better business uh, can strive for. Everyone has their own individuals that they, they find sort of inspiring, but I think he's kind of gone the whole nine yards in terms of creating a better experience for customers in most of his businesses, not all of them. Um, but also believes in people and talent and giving people the opportunity. And also that the one thing that is, um, remains very much in what I think about on a day-to-day basis is this kind of idea of screw business as usual, which is you can become big and successful, which creates great opportunities and great wealth, whatever that your vision of wealth might be. But your opportunity to try and influence groups to do things for a better environment, for a better community, for a better way of doing things for, you know, his educational entrepreneurial center in, in Johannesburg is just incredible. And I think even, even starting that from day one of your journey and having something that you believe that will be even better when you become big and successful. I love that idea. And that's something that, you know, I guess I want to be successful in the way that I set my next three years worth of goals. But I love the idea of being able to have a big impact on people and a bit of influence into trying to do things better um, in some sort of you know holistic view of, of the world as well. That's funny enough, that is the same person that I pick. 
and I often find myself in situations and I, I genuinely think to myself, what would Richard Branson do in this situation? <laughs> and I think it, it goes across so many different things. It might be PR, it might be for the environment, it might be for, for people. Um, so yeah, I, I genuinely like you a lot. I would like to absolutely thank you uh, from genuinely from the bottom of my heart for coming on. Uh, I think that has been absolutely incredible. And I think that you've given so much value to people listening. Is there any, before I let you go, is there any parting wisdom or finishing notes that you would like to, to tell the audience? I'm going to borrow someone else's wisdom, if that's right, which I'm sure many people have done before me. Uh, I pulled up a quote, which I actually used many, many a time, but it was the first time I got to use it in a presentation, which is one from the wonderful Albert Einstein with his beautiful hair. Uh, I... The quote about it, the definition of insanity and yes. doing the same things over and over again, but expecting a different result. My inspiration for a lot of things has been seeing things that are not quite right, but just kind of almost following in that flow of the river of just going, well, this is the way things are done. Mm -hmm. And I think the more people, if I can sort of just, you know, I'm not a great inspirer as yet, but I hopefully give a little bit of a heads up to some people on different perspectives. But the one thing that I really you know, want to get to the point that I can inspire is that if you see something that's not quite right or you don't think the ethics or the morals involved in a certain, even a micro industry within a, within a, a bigger industry, then just put yourself out there and say that you believe you want to do it better and start doing something right now. doesn't matter if you're on day one of your journey or day 100,000, you know, just put yourself out there as to, as to trying to do something different. And that's one thing that I always sort of link things back to is I can't expect people to do different things if I don't make a move to try and, do things a different way. I think that's very powerful. Um, and I think everybody listening will have taken a lot from that. So thank you very much for that, Alex. I'm going to let you go now. And um, yeah, guys, awesome. thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm sure that you learn a hell of a lot from that, just like I did. Uh, Alex is an absolutely great guy. If you want to go and check him out, then you can find him on all of the, the social medias and he will have his trusted land sites kicking about soon, which I will promote as well. So until next week, guys, thank you very much for listening.